Happened to Me, a rare disease and medical challenges podcast. The mission of our podcast is to support you, our listeners, and to create community as you confront the toughest challenges in life. All of us will experience health hardships. The real question is, how do we adapt? That's the focus of It Happened to Me. We help you overcome limitations and live a full and satisfying life. Drawing on their own health challenges, hosts Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman interview guests who share stories and research to help you succeed in the face of difficult health obstacles. It happened to me. I'm not alone, and neither are you. Joining us on It Happened to Me today is Lanny Etkin. Lanny was appointed executive director of the Familial Dysautonomia Foundation in 2017. Lanny's professional background has included fundraising roles in both healthcare and in the performing arts. Lanny recently committed, completed a certificate program in nonprofit leadership in cooperation with Northwestern University. Also joining us today is Rita Terrion and her daughter, Keshi Terrion Kegel. Keshi is a familial dysautonomia, or FD, patient in her early 30s, and she and her mom will provide a personal perspective about living with and managing the symptoms of FD. Well, welcome, Lainey. Rita and Keshi, it's so nice to have you as guests on It Happened to Me. Today we are going to be discussing FD, or as it is sometimes called, Riley Syndrome. All right, let's start with the basics. Lainey, why did you decide to take this job as the head of this foundation, and had you heard of this symptoms, had you heard of this disease before taking the job? Uh, well, coincidentally, I had. Um, um, I had been contacted because the um, previous um, executive director um, had, had passed away, unfortunately, um, and they were looking for a new person to step into the role after, um, after a de- more than a decade of um, his tenure. And um, be, even though it's a very, very rare disease, which we'll talk about later, um, I actually had heard of um, FD and actually my best friend's nephew has it. Um, and I, he lived in my community, he lives in my community and um, he, I knew, I knew when he was born. So I was, I was familiar with, with FD when I took on this position. I didn't know as much as I know now though. <laughs> yeah, so well, I'm sure you've learned an awful lot. And Keshi, welcome to the program. You are a patient Hi. with FD. Can you describe what this syndrome is? Um, yes. Uh, I mean, I straight out is like in as simplest terms as I can say. I mean, it's a genetic disorder that affects uh, my sensory and autonomic nervous systems. It um, it affects certain things that the human body does automatically for an for an average individual it doesn't happen automatically for me so like i don't produce tears i i don't feel um heat or temperature or pain as as um as well as someone else does 
I mean, it's, um, it's, yeah, that's, 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 that's generally speaking what, what FD is. So Rita, you're the mom of a patient with FD. How would you, how would you describe it? Um, and tell me, how did you know that your daughter needed special attention? Was this in utero or as an infant? When, when did symptoms start to occur? Um, so I think, I think Keshi did a nice job of, um, of describing what FD was. It's, it affects the nervous system and the sensory system and the autonomic system. Um, and, uh, well, it's, it's, it's really quite, all the symptoms are really quite global in nature. I mean, everything from bone density to gastrointestinal, um, issues to blood pressure, heart rate, I mean, just everything you could imagine. Um, with Keshi, we actually found out quite, um, quite late. Um, most people with FD do, do um, find out quite early um, when the baby is born, um, there's already issues. With Keshi as well, there were, but but um, but we didn't know what they were, and we and she overcame them. So um, she was born when she was born. She was immediately taken to ICU because she um, had um, seizures and she was suffering from apnea spells. So she was um, in the hospital for a couple of weeks. Yeah, she uh, she had difficulty breathing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, but that was for two weeks. And then somehow she overcame that. I don't know what was happening. And we brought her home. Um, she had difficulty breastfeeding. But again, you know, bottle feeding, she was able to, this is very typical of FD infants. Um, but again, she overcame it. And this was all in Canada. We, so the doctors really had no idea what FD was. So these were just sort of just random issues that, you know, she sort of grew out of. Um, she had some gross motor difficulties growing up, you know, speech came a little bit later. So all of these things sort of suggested that she was unique, but, <laughs> but she's my only baby. And I just thought, well, okay, so this is just what Keshi, this is who Keshi is. Um, it wasn't until she was five and we actually heard from someone else about FD that um, who suggested that maybe sort of this collection of of you know unusual symptoms might be fd and we moved we took a trip from toronto to new york where she was diagnosed um and it's a good thing that she was because sort of more serious things came later so yeah well wow. speaking of those symptoms laney i wanted to ask you so uh, Keshi may be experiencing some of the symptoms, but there are a myriad of symptoms that are uh, pronounced in FD patients, such as swallowing, walking problems, blood pressure spikes, as you mentioned, Rita, um, vomiting, weak bones, spinal deformity, dry eye, and many more. So what do, uh, Keshi may have a milder uh, symptoms. What do most patients experience, Lainey? Well, uh, 
it's oftentimes said, and I'm sure Keshi and Rita, you both have heard this before. If you've seen one patient, one FD patient, you've seen one FD patient. Um, each one of them experiences FD differently. Um, and each one of them has, um, it, it manifests itself differently in everybody's body. And some people struggle more with digestive issues and some people struggle more with um, different um, uh, parts of the body that it impacts. So, um, you know, every, every person that has it really, uh, it, it impacts them differently. But, um, you know, a lot of, you know, as, as Rita was mentioning, you know, a lot of babies um, have trouble eating and swallowing. Um, and um, what, what was discovered was that, well, many babies got pneumonias and got scarred lungs. So um, feeding tubes were introduced um, probably about two or three decades ago to help um, ameliorate that and to, to make sure that um, people had healthy lungs. And that really helped keep them alive a lot longer. And we can talk about that that more later too. But um, so, so eating, eating is a problem for some. Eating and swallowing is a problem for some. And um, crisis is something that many, many will say is the worst part of FD. And some people have crisis every day. Some people have it every week. Some people have never had it. Um, and some people, you know, have it every couple of years, but it's, it's, it's a very, um, it, it, they, their, their faces get all red and they, and they sweat profusively and they're nauseous and they throw up and their blood pressure goes all wacko. And it really, they, they, it's, it's very difficult to function. I don't know, Keshi, if, if that's something that you suffer from too much, but you, you, you can probably talk about it better than I can if you've, ex if you've experienced it. But I think the... Um, the thing to note about FD is although it presents at birth, as, as we were talking about, it's also progressive and degenerative. So things that, that may be present, you know, in a younger person. Um, does it always um, present at birth or does, can that, as with Keshi, can that be a variable? Well, even Keshi presented at birth. She just wasn't diagnosed at birth. So it's something, you know, as as opposed to other kinds of dysautonomia where people like adults might get it or adults might learn that they have it, you are born with FD. It's a genetic disorder and you are born with it. So not every symptom may manifest itself at birth, but you have it at birth. It, the, the diagnostic journey for, you know, some people are, are diagnosed in the hospital as infants. If they're born in the right hospital and the doctors know to look for it, but some people like Keshi, not till five. I've heard of people not diagnosed till nine years old because it's just so rare. Doctors don't even know what they're looking at. Wow. So Rita, as a parent, my heart goes out to you because you're trying to manage different symptoms that your daughter is experiencing. And yet also as a parent, you want your child to have as normal a life as possible. Can you talk about that delicate balance? Um, yeah, thank you. Um, it is, <laughs> it's, um, the, the worry is probably the, the biggest um, thing I have to deal with. Um, I think what Keshi has to deal with is more significant. So Keshi does have crises. Um, she does not have a feeding tube, so when she has crises, um, we um, 
well, she it, it's, it only happens about two or three times a year, but then she's hospitalized for it. And that's the only place that she can be treated for it. And it's always sort of an emergency situation and, and, um, and rather traumatic. So that, that's, that's one of the biggest things that, that she deals with. So we live very near each other. Keshi actually is living independently as of a couple of years ago. But, um, but we live very near each other so that she's only a, a phone call away. Um, and we've, um, um, she works from home. So, um, which again is um, uh, just, well, you know, she's very fortunate to be able to do that. And she's very good at what she does. She can tell you about it. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I, um, I work with a nonprofit um, called Kulanu. They, they, um, they provide different services to, um, isolated returning Jewish communities around the world. Wonderful. Congratulations. That's really beautiful that, that you do that. You. Now, when were you old enough to understand your diagnosis of FDN? Um, how did you then and do you now cope with that knowledge? So I was thinking about this the other day and trying to figure out, honestly trying to remember when I would have first understood what I had, what I have. Um, and I don't think you I mean, thinking back on it, I, I'm not sure it really sunk in until I was at least maybe seven or eight. Um, I mean, I mean, even then I was still growing. I was still like, I, I, I was still, I was still very young. So, I mean, I could only like, I could only understand so much, but, but I did know that I, I feel strangely enough, you were saying how for some individuals with living with FD symptom, like it becomes more severe as you age. Like, yes, I think that is true, but I also think I mean, for I can only speak for myself, but I I feel like, I mean, I cope better now than I did when I was younger. <laughs> um, um, I, and it, coping has sort of been a combination of, of, um, just life experiences. Um, well, building. Well, yeah, yeah. No, no, and, and life experiences and kind of building um, a toolkit, I would think, of how to manage things. And I'm wondering what are the most helpful modifications and strategies that you've developed for yourself as an adult for managing your daily life? Is there anything you do differently? 
because of um, FD concerns or realizations? Um, I, I mean, I really, I take it day by day, honestly. I, um, I, I keep busy. I, Sounds like it. <laughs> I um I exercise daily. I have a I have a stationary bike that I use it. When on days I don't go out, I mean I mean most days I do go out, but but on days I don't I have like a bike that I use that that helps me stay physically um just uh, physically comfortable um and um i don't know i don't know if you if i if i can interrupt you and help you a little bit um so keshi um in res in response to this question um keshi went um i i think that she she makes uh, and has always sort of especially recently made she makes calculations as to you know what she's able to do and what she's not able to do so for example you know if she she tries to minimize how far she has to walk. Um, she takes breaks when she walks because she has difficulty sometimes. Um, she's uh, very careful about who she sees in these days, especially with COVID. So there's there's um, there's a lot of well there's there's some aspect of isolation involved in this, um, and. Um, yeah, and in, and in terms of the the question that you asked before about when she became aware, I think especially because she because she her first ten years were in Canada and there weren't too many people there with FD. Yeah, I think um, I think it was difficult. It was more difficult in a way, and um, because um, I think in school I think she felt quite isolated and she was bullied sometimes as well for. Um, <laughs> For um, well, just um, she she fell a lot, and other students sort of other children sort of recognized that there was a difference, but she wasn't quite able to understand what that difference was until she moved here, and then she met other individuals with FD, and I think that really made a huge difference when we moved here. And the very first year that we moved here, Keshi went to a camp, um, Camp Simcha, where there were other many other. Um, young girls with um with fd and i think that's when she she really that's when it really she became comfortable with it and um just being having to also have well rita experience. were there modifications or strategies that you used all around your home and your life that really helped her manage her daily life as a child um yeah i mean she well, it, when she was a child, I think that it was mostly um, uh, just um, keeping her close and making sure that she's safe. Um, really, we we didn't, until we moved here, until we moved to New York City, we really didn't understand. We just didn't have the, the, the medical knowledge that the FD clinic provides. But as soon as we moved here... All of all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. And so now, for example, she um, Keshi sleeps in a bed um, that um, can raise um, her 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 head. So she sleeps at thirty degrees. Um, 
which um, eliminates some of the problems with um, low blood pressure during the night. So she used to, for example, during the night, wake up and, um, and feel faint. And she would sometimes fall in the bathroom. So I would, you know, get up with her and walk her to the bathroom, walk her back. But ever since she has that bed, you know, just little things like that, um, it made a huge difference. And of course, when she went through, um, as she developed, as she grew older, um, went through her teenage years, it's very common with FD. Sorry about the noise. About <laughs> It's New York. New York, exactly. Good old New York, which we're very grateful for. Um, she developed um, scoliosis and kyphosis like, um, like most FD individuals do. And again, it was so fortunate for us to be here because um, she could be diagnosed with it uh, before it caused serious injuries to her lungs and she, um, she got um, surgery for that. So again, that was shortly after we moved to New York. So um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Keshi, I've got a hat off to you. I love that you have a job. I love, you must have gone to school, um, to college in order to, um, have the job or was there a certificate program or something like that, that you were able to do, or you lucked out and found a great job that you were great at? Oh my goodness. So it has been, uh, thank you. I mean, really it has been, um, an ever, I, I mean, Never. I mean, it's been leading up to this, I guess, in a way. Um, I. Uh, I mean, I did go to school. I. I, I earned my. Um, my BFA, in. Um, at, at the School of Visual Arts, and. Um, and then, and then, um, after graduating, I, did a lot of volunteer work at different, even at the. Um, FD Foundation, I, uh, I, I volunteered there and, um, and at, at other nonprofits as well. Um, and, uh, and then I started like looking for a job and get pr practicing my interview skills because that is something that I had trouble with for a long time. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, I honestly, I think I did luck out in finding Kulanu because um, they are very small. I mean, we are a very small nonprofit that uh, only a few people, and also the fact, truth of the matter is, is that the, um, the well, president uh, recently passed away, and so we're kind of like, Try we we were and presently we're just trying to figure out who does what now, and um, that's wonderful. It yeah. sounds like a full and meaningful position and experience, a life experience, and just mazel tov, if I can say, it's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. I know that. I know that it's um. I mean, I know I'm lucky in a way. I mean, I know there are a lot of people in the FT community who have difficulty finding work or and or you holding it down or, i'm sure yeah exactly so um 
Well, Rita, I, I want to switch gears for a minute. This, sound, this, I know, is an inherited genetic condition, but it sounds like I have a very mild form of a very rare genetic condition, and my variant appears exclusively in the Ashkenazi or Eastern European Jewish community, those with ancestors from Eastern Europe. And this sounds like it might also be an Ashkenazi genetic condition. Um, is that true? It is. It is. And, um, you know, like most um, Ashkenazi Jews, uh, her, her father and I were tested for all the all the all that was available at the time. All that was available. And this was rare enough. It wasn't on the panel. Well, they hadn't discovered the gene. Um, yeah, Keshi was born in 1991, and it was in 2000. And lady, you probably remember better than I. 2002. Better than I. 2002. About 2000 that they. 2000 that the they gene, discovered yeah. the gene. Yeah. So we had absolutely no idea that we were carriers. We yeah. Are there it, it, now that you know about it, is there any known family history with this rare disease? Well, I mean, I only I know that Keshi has a cousin who also has it. So it's it's definitely in our family. <laughs> yeah. And are there um, switching gears again? Are there treatments now, for the symptoms of FD, were they around when Keshi was younger? I don't know, Lainey, if you, if you want to... Do you mean treatments for... I'm sorry. For I'm um, sorry. the various... Beth had outlined all different types of um, symptoms, like modific uh, problems swallowing, um, dry eye, um, uh, problems sometimes I think with walking and um, I'm just blood wondering pressure, right, blood if pressure spikes exactly and if there's treatments for the individual symptoms um, or if they're later also like the gene was late in getting um, uh, discovered were the symptoms readily available individually, or uh, is it something that now is much more available and apparent than it was um, 20 or 30 years ago? So I, I think Lainey will probably be able to answer this much better than I do. I, I can only just say that it's, it's really, um, each symptom is um, treated individually so as as because there's such a myriad as you said myriad of symptoms each one and there's no cure you know, each symptom is treated um as best it can yeah and laney maybe you can Lainey, well i know that with my that. uh rare variant it's a mild form but again with this wolfram um each individual symptom is treated individually there is no global until there's genetic work and gene editing and the future hopefully holds uh, um, prospects for that. But um, there's no global type of treatment. It is individual, um, individual symptoms are treated individually. Right. And, that's, and that's pretty much, that's, that's pretty much where we're at with FD. Um, we've certainly advanced um, the level of care where, uh, 30 years ago, um, people born with FD, it was considered a fatal childhood illness. I mean, people were 
dying before they were 10 years old, mainly because they were aspirating food and they're getting pneumonias and damaging their lungs and, and, um, and dying from pneumonia. And the other thing um, that people were dying from was sleep apnea, stopping breathing while they were sleeping. So many people that have FD, and I don't know if this, if this includes you or not, Keshi, but many people who have FD sleep with um, CPAPs or BiPAPs to keep them breathing during the night. So that's something that has helped keep people alive. Um, same thing with the feeding tubes. If they're not swallowing food and, and um, uh, get, you know, not getting food into their lungs by accident, then they're preventing those. In, exactly. They're, they're preventing those aspirations. So a lot of it is preventing bad things from happening that, that, could, have, that could be fatal. Um, and as, as Rita said, treating individually symptoms. So the dry eyes, um, Keshi, I'm sure you put drops in your eyes um, many, many times a day. Um, and so all of those kinds of things. There's no FDA-approved treatment for FD. Um, but as, as Catherine was just um, alluding to, um, genetic, genetics is the way to go. I mean, now that we've discovered the gene, we are working on um, gene therapies that will um, alter the, fix the mutation of the gene and hopefully slow or stop the progression of the disease. And that's, that's really the, the more holistic approach as opposed to treating the symptoms. But we are getting better at treating the symptoms too. That's wonderful. But Lainey, I want to switch gears with you. And how does the FD Foundation support patients and their families like Keshi and like Rita? Um, well, I hope you guys will agree that uh, um, mainly what we do is we raise money. Um, and most of the money that we raise goes to the Dysautonomia Center at NYU. Um, we helped found that center 50 years ago, and we helped support it and keep it going. And that's really... And is that what helps Keshi and Rita so much they were talking about in New York? Exactly. I mean, that's what Rita was talking about. And um, so that's really the premier center for care and treatment of FD in the world. Um, so that if you, even if you're not, if you're fortunate enough to live in the New York area, you can go there for primary care. Um, if you're not fortunate enough to live nearby, um, they also consult with patients, um, local medical teams to provide guidance and advice. Um, they also, we also during the pandemic instituted um, telemedicine. So, you know, even people in England can see the doctors here in New York. Um, so the foundation funds the center. Um, we also, um, once a year, we hold an FD day, an educational program where patients and families can attend and, and learn from the doctors and the scientists as to what, what the latest treatments are and what the latest research is. Um, we, we really try to build um, a community um, to, of support for um, people who have FD. Uh, we have a newsletter, we have a website. Um, we offer some social activities for people with FD and some support services for, for patients and families. So we really try to be a little bit of, of everything um, to everyone. And of course, and of course, I should not have neglected, we invest in um, research. And we have a scientific advisory board that is um, pursuing a number of very promising um, strategies 
to uh, to treat FD from the research side. Yeah. To treat Excellent, Lainey. Are there clinical trials going on now? Uh, Rita, you're nodding your head. Well, I, 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 I thought so. I, I think so. I mean, I think in, in Israel, there's a, there's, there's a lab, um, um, that is, has been working on, um, uh, FD for quite a while, but as to the details of the clinical trials, I'm not, I can't, I'm not an expert. So, well, there's, there's a, there's a lot of different research at a lot of different phases and we're very fortunate for a small disease there are a lot of brilliant scientists that are working on FD and we're very fortunate. And, you know, the good thing about that is because it's a neurological disease, a lot of the work that we're investing in and that is happening has the potential to impact other more common neurological diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease and ALS. So um, it's not just helping these 300 and some people who are living with FD today. But um, we we anticipate a how many people are living with FD today? If you could today, say that again, <laughs> today, yes, today we as what we know is 310 around the world. World, wow! And how many in the yeah, United States? About half of those are in the United States. Um, most of the rest of them are, are in Israel, but there are a smattering in in Europe, South America, Australia. Um, and it, the, the half is North America. So Canada has some too. Mexico has a few. But, um, and there are two, as Rita said, there are two centers in Israel as well that we collaborate with. So, Lainey, you said, so this is now on the carrier screening. This mutation would be picked up now. Oh, that's yes. terrific. So, for yes, so part of our mission is awareness and, you know, making sure that people know that they need to get tested and and people who were tested a long time ago need to get retested. Well, this is so. really isn't this the issue about getting tested and yeah. and you bring up the point of being retested that new new discoveries will alter the testing process because they'll be added to the carrier screening. And the other, I think, big issue is that people tend not to be tested until actually they're pregnant, as opposed to when they start planning their families. And I wondered, in thinking about this, how to encourage people to get tested. Um, is there anything going on with maybe um, faith-based um, communities to encourage couples possibly in the planning of their nuptials to get screened? Well, there are, there are a couple of things. I mean, one is there's an organization called J-Screen that works out of Emory, I believe. Yes, yes. I believe. Karen has been on um, this podcast, been a guest. who is the um, genetic counselor that's the head of J-Screen. Yes. Okay, so we, we, we partner with them quite often. And in fact, um, the FD Foundation has, has sponsored um, testing um, sessions on college campuses, for example, um, for, 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 aware, for awareness. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, college is really kind of the right time to do it. Um, yeah, and, but on the, on the other end of the spectrum, um, in religious communities, um, there is an organization called Doria Sharim, um, and they test people, but they don't know what the, the, those people who go through Doria Sharim don't know what they might be um, found to be carriers of. 
they just are told if two partners are compatible or not to be, to be, to be matched. Um, so it's sort of like a pre-match testing. Like you, you two should, it's okay for you two to get married. It's not okay for you two to get married. That's all they, they so they don't actually know what they're carriers of. They just know if it's okay, if it's safe to be with that person or not. Because obviously, because because for FD and for a lot of things, it's recessive, and so both parents have to be carriers and other in order for them to pass it along to the child. So. To J-Screen and the panel testing where it does identify um, specific conditions involved, does carrier screening and uh, genetic testing have the uh, opportunity to change things for FD? Well, obviously you can't change your carrier status, but, but you know, knowledge is power, as they say. So if, if you know that you're a carrier and if you know that your spouse is a carrier, so let's assume we're not talking about these religious communities where they would not get married, um, there are still ways to have healthy babies um, using, uh, you know, selecting, a, fertilizing the embryos and testing the embryos and, right, and selecting the healthy embryos to implant. So, and I mean, thank God for modern science. Um, but that has meant that, I mean, unfortunately, you know, in, in the days of, you know, when Keshi was born, that technology did not exist and that knowledge did not exist. You couldn't test for it. You didn't know. Um, but nowadays, if there are parents where both, both parents, if there are situations where both parents know they are carriers and they want to have children. They could do. They can, I remember in the 90s, Keshi, when, um, before I w was <laughs> thinking of having children, the only disease you went to the hospital to get a blood test for was Tay-Sachs. And we met our best friends at the hospital also getting tested for Tay-Sachs there. But there was nothing like this um, that Lainey's talking about that can make a difference in the knowledge uh, and having that power. And it's just amazing where science has come. Yeah, we, we feel very, I mean, this foundation um, invested millions of dollars to find the gene. And um, we feel very proud that we've been able to facilitate the birth of thousands of healthy babies to, to carrier families. Um, yeah, it's, it's sort of our gift to the Jewish people. Absolutely. Uh, what a gift. Uh, what a gift. Well, Lainey, yeah. is there any advice you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, and this, this is not just for Jewish people. I mean, everybody should get tested. I mean, the knowledge is out there, and um, you would be silly not to take advantage of it. If you're, if you're planning on, you know, having a baby, you should know um, what, what's in your family and what's in your genes. And um, there are things that can, that can be prevented, and there are things that can't be prevented. But, yeah, knowledge is power. Wow. And Rita, is there any advice that you'd like to share with our listeners today? I think um, parent support, I think, is is very important. Um, I know that, that we've, I definitely benefited from moving to New York City and meeting other parents. Um, the FD day that we have once a year um, at NYU Langone is, is a huge, wonderful event. <laughs> where we um, where we share information and also just sort of come together and support each other emotionally. So that parent support and being a part of the community is is um, has been wonderful, and I encourage it for whenever possible. It sounds That's... like that uh, the foundation 
has been uh, transformative in Keshi's life, that meeting other, other yeah. young people who have the same condition um, has taken the mystery out of what she's experiencing and has almost normalized her life. And, and it's been uh, such a powerful influence. We here at uh, It Happened to Me are very interested in rare diseases, but we also are very interested in how people cope with the challenge that they are facing. And it sounds like your decision to move to New York, to place your daughter in an environment where other people are facing the same challenge has been extraordinarily transformative. Um, and I congratulate you on having the guts to pick up and leave your country, move to a place that was better suited for your daughter's well-being and health. Really, that's wonderful. And are there any other resources that you found uh, incredibly helpful or supportive or something you'd like to um, suggest other people um, listening consider with any rare disease, not just FD? I mean, we really... Our, our primary source of support really is the FD Foundation and the FD Clinic, yeah. I mean, there have been other Jewish organizations in New York City that are helpful to, um, to individuals of, you know, to all to all Jewish people in the, in the city. So, for example, um, um, Camp Simcha, um, which, which was, which was wonderful and really was um, just, uh, just a joy for Keshi. I think she attended six years in a row, six summers in a row, and it was I, I, it was the first time that I really saw her very mixing with other people and feeling really tr truly happy. Um, but there's also um, Keshi, the organization that 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 you um, that you're connected with as well. That's um, with uh, Fagi and. Um, Hadassah is also a really wonderful. A few of the people in, in so the organization is um, it's called Yala. Um, it's standing. I think I I hope I'm not wrong about this. <laughs> it's it's standing for um, young adults um, loving life always. I I think something something like that. Thank you. Um, yeah, a few. I mean, a few of the people involved have also been involved in Camp Simcha. Um, but basically, um, it's for young adults with disabilities who, um, and we get together. We go on trips together. Uh, we just recently took a trip to. Um, I mean, last summer, we just recently took a trip to. Um, Philadelphia for for a couple of days, um, and explored ex explored the the state a little bit, and um, and uh, we we a few a few years ago we we went on a birthright trip. Birthright oh trip. wow! So, which is a trip yeah, to yeah. for those that may be listening that don't know, it's a trip to Israel with uh, young contemporaries. Yes, no, it was it was great. It was wonderful because because I was with people I knew first of all, and <laughs> I know that that's not all. I mean, no, then for me that worked. 
Um, and, it, and we went, like, there were accommodations, and we did things that, you know, we were physically able to do and enjoy. Um, and, um, and yeah, just, and, and, uh, like, the people involved, I mean, I still, I mean, I'm really good friends with, with a few, a few people involved, and it's just such a lovely group of people. It sounds like, and with Rita's help, you really have just benefited from camps, from schools, from programs that have really been life-changing and, uh, and moves. <laughs> she's, a pretty, she's a pretty great mother, I, I, must, I must say. Sure sounds like it. It sure does. Well, Keshi, I got to ask you, is there any parting advice that you'd like to share with our listeners today? I want to say that, you know, not, not giving up and, um, because, I mean, I can, I can only speak for myself and say that, like, it, I mean, it took, it took a long time for me to get to where I am now with my confidence and stuff like that, and I feel like, I feel like it's it's just something that um, <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> oh, good question. I well, think, I can't. I think, Keshi, I think what you're you're saying is being supported by a community, and and um, yeah, and you have yeah. thrived as a result, and it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And it's inspiring. It really is it's, inspiring. And each of yeah. us are on a journey, Keshi, and your journey is is a wonderful one because it's led to such a full life. And each of us may stumble along the way. That's part of life. Um, yeah. And hopefully each of us will have someone in our corner, as you have had your mom, that helps us when we... Uh, may stumble and Lainey. yes yes but <laughs> yeah, i am so yes. glad that you found this foundation in new york and found the camp and the community to help you get to the beautiful part where you are today and you've been a terrific guest Keshi. and i want to thank you for giving thank of your you. time and sharing your story with us and rita Absolutely. and Lainey, also thank you for being guests on it happened to me this episode has raised such awareness for FD, which is a rare genetic disease, but it's also illustrated beautifully how a patient and her family managed living with it and thriving and really uh, an inspirational story for anyone living with medical challenges that there's more at the other, you know, working through things than there is in just giving up. And it's beautiful. It's also been a wonderful episode to highlight how genetic testing and carrier screening really have opportunities and possibilities for creating future um, uh, changes in the atmosphere of genetic and rare diseases. So thank you all so much for being here today. Be well and just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this episode of It Happened to Me. We encourage you to learn more at ithappentomepod.com. That's ithappentomepod.com. Please use the contact form on our website to submit your guest suggestions, comments, questions, ideas, and feedback for the show. You can also email us directly at ithappentomepod at gmail.com. Again, that's ithappentomepod at gmail.com. We would also really appreciate it if you can leave us a five-star rating and review on your podcast app, probably Apple or Spotify. This helps others in the rare disease and medical challenges community find us. It Happened to Me is created and hosted by Kathy Gillenhorn and Beth Glassman. Steve Holsenbach is our media engineer and co-producer. Myself, Kier Deneen from DNA Today, is our marketing lead and co-producer. Ashlyn Anokian is our graphic designer. And remember, it happened to me. I'm not alone and neither are you.